You're listening to the Sunday Messages Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. So, I remember a season where I was gearing up to go on a mission trip to the Amazon. We were going to Peru. The year was 2010, and the trip was about worship. Literally, our mission trip was to worship. We were going to go to all of these different towns in the Amazon and Peru, and and we were going to worship. And and so I'll never forget, you know, gearing up, literally instruments in tow and cables and practice, and we showed up at this large venue, and there were thousands of people, and man, I felt like a rock star hiding behind a keyboard. The other, uh, you know, they, they thought we were rock stars. It was very exciting. And one of them was actually a rock star from San Marcos. True story. His name is Barry Bynum back in the day. Yeah, some of you guys know him. Uh, can shred like no one else. A true rock star was with us for Jesus on this trip. And so we were worshiping and it was loud and it was awesome. And we saw people come to know Jesus, and it was excellent. Then we moved to this small town named Nauta, and it was a much smaller room, but it was packed with people, hundreds of people in this room. And so we started playing, and as soon as the music began, our amps were blaring, all the stuff was plugged in, and the lights started flickering. And the sound started hesitating, and we didn't get much further before not only did the sound system go off, The room went pitch black, and the whole town lost power. We blew out all the generators. We were missionaries doing God's work, and we drained them of every source of energy. And I thought, what a disappointment. We prepared, and here we are, and and now we're all of a sudden in this pitch black room. I wonder if maybe that's how you feel going into this Transition, going into this fall semester, going into this school year, going into three gatherings as a church family. I don't want to unwind my alarm clock 30 minutes and get here. Uh, I don't want you to change my Sunday rooms, whatever it may be. Maybe that's the place that you find yourself in in this season. My hope this morning is that you would leave here fueled up and on fire because I want to read a parable from Matthew chapter 25 that talks about how to do just that. Be the light of the world in a dark place. We're going to read this parable called the parable of the 10 virgins or the 10 bridesmaids, depending which uh, uh, um, translation you have. And it is a beautiful parable that talks about the necessity of God's spirit to fuel any activity that we have. And again, just wonder where you are in that paradigm. Maybe you're here and you're on fire, ready to go. Or maybe you're in here and you're like, man, I'm, I'm really struggling. I'm not sure. Let's get fueled up this morning. Anybody with me? Because we're called to be the light of the world. Let me pray and we'll jump right into Matthew 25, first 13 verses. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this simple story that explores a deep truth. Father, I pray that it would resonate with us both personally and as a church family as we navigate this transition this week. All of this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 
A little bit of context, Jesus in Matthew 25, he is finishing his ministry. This is his fifth discourse, his fifth portion of teaching in the gospel of Matthew. He has broken down four parables. This is one of them, and they all have to do with the end times. Here is why that's important, because we are on earth for a very short amount of time. And if we are followers of Jesus Christ, if we have accepted him as our Lord and Savior, the good news is that we have an eternity to enjoy with God, where there will be no more drought, there will be no more pain, no more sin, there will be abundance of everything that we will need. Life will be good. Who's excited for that day? I am. I can't wait for that day. Hey, in the meantime, we got work to do. That's what Jesus is doing. He's lighting a fire in those who have ears to hear. And he's saying, hey, get ready, because while we wait, we have work to do. Talking about the kingdom of heaven, he says in Matthew 25, verse 1, then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Back in the day, we saw weddings look a little different than they do now. Instead of us waiting for the bride to come down, you know, everyone stands up and looks out and waits for the bride to come down. This happens maybe the night before where the bridesmaids are hanging out, probably at the bride's parents' house, and then they're waiting for the groom and the dudes to come pick up the bride and the bridesmaids, and then they will go on a procession to the wedding feast. So that was the custom back in the day. And we read that there were five foolish bridesmaids and five wise bridesmaids. The five who were foolish, verse three, didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. See, these lamps were critical because this often happened at night. And so the bridesmaids would literally light the way for the bride as she was going to her wedding feast, which, by the way, was seven days long. Parents, maybe you married off a, a child here recently this year. Could you imagine paying for a seven-day wedding? That's probably why there was a delay here that we're going to read, because they were negotiating the price of this wedding. Anyway, uh, I'm not sure of that. That's just an assumption. So the five who were foolish did not take enough olive oil for the lamps, but the five other uh, bridesmaids were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. They were waiting, took too long. They were snoozing. Verse, uh, chapter, uh, verse six, at midnight, they were raised by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. And all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Could you imagine the excitement. And uh, then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. Big problem. And the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or hour of 
my return. I know. Some questions arise from this passage, right? Really? You couldn't just un unlock the bolt? You know, Jesus, why did you have to lock the door? Because what he's trying to open up the eyes of the readers, then what he's trying to open up our eyes today and say is, we have a job to do, and he's given us everything that we need to do it. So let's be ready for what God has for us. Again, the end will come. Jesus will come back and all will be good. Until then, we have to be serious about preaching the gospel with word and deed to those around us. And so I want you to take a second and say, all right, how am I doing when it comes to being this lamp? Let's see if this wick still work. I uh, bought this lamp in Israel, and it cost a lot of money, especially uh, to package since it's so big, and uh, it's, survived, it's seen a lot of action. Uh-oh. see if I can do it. Um, that's actually not true. I bought it on Amazon for $20, and it arrived two-day shipping, and uh, the wick went out, but tissue paper works well, and let's see right here. It is, though, a real Herodian lamp, or at least that's what the Amazon description said. <laughs> and uh, it is simple, and I think that is the point. This lamp is represented of what they had back then. Here we go. And uh, it has a wick. It has something inside that fuels it, and now it is emanating light. I wonder, how bright are your lumens right now? Are you shining brightly for Jesus? Are you unashamed telling everybody that you know, man, I just love what God's doing in my life. We don't want to be those, hey, do you know Jesus? Hey, do you know Jesus? Let me tell you this Bible you know, story. And hey, if you don't sin, I mean, if you don't come to him and you continue to sin, you're going to go. I mean, there may be a time when God tells you to say that to somebody, but we want to be people that are grace and truth. How are we doing with being what Matthew says in chapter five, uh, five, the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and give its light to everyone in the house. My hope is that this would be us, but maybe we are flickering like those lights in Peru. Or maybe right now the light is off. Maybe we're looking at what it really looks like to follow Jesus and be this light wherever we are. I hope that we have ears to hear what this parable has to teach us because it seems to me it gives us the keys to be that, the light of the world, which is what this world needs. That is why we're going to three gatherings, so that our light continues to grow and the influence of the kingdom of God would resonate with those in our communities. So three keys and three questions to be the light of the world. The first one is this, we have to be willing to be used. We have to be willing to be a vessel for God. This is a vessel. It's just a clay lamp. Kind of looks like a genie lamp, does it? But it's not. It's just a lamp. It's what they used again back then. And uh, look, it works. So this simple vessel 
is used in the parable to explore a deep truth. What is that? That God can use anyone for his purposes. In 2 Timothy 2, verses 20 to 22, he talks about the difference between foolish and wise, just like the bridesmaids. Now in a great house are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use set apart as holy, useful to who? To the master of the house, ready for every good work. I love verse 22, and it says, so flee, flee, run away from the youthful passions in your life and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And don't miss this, along with those who call on the Lord, from a pure heart. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about being willing to be used, but I love the end of this because it's saying, let's pursue God along with others. Keyword community group for our context. Keyword, let's get in the game and serve once a month on a Sunday morning. Serve one gathering and then attend another gathering so you can get fueled up as you pour out. The question is, are you willing to be used? These bridesmaids were willing to be used. And I run into a lot of couples when they're doing premarital and they're picking their bridesmaids and their groomsmen. And it, they almost function like, uh, I'm a millennial, so MySpace did back then, where you choose your top eight. You know, and you're like, this is my best friend, and this is second place, and third place, and fourth place, and fifth place, and sixth place, and seventh place, and eighth place. Johnny's going to go to a wedding here. He's a good groomsman. Uh, he may have already, anyway. Johnny's headed to Houston, uh, someone that served in our student ministry for a long time, Walker Bolt. He's celebrating his wedding today. Anyway, my point is, when we serve as bridesmaids and groomsmen, we're actually called to work. Be, will, be willing to be used, not just stand up here in this ceremonial you know, stance with your tie that you actually just learned how to tie on YouTube 30 minutes before. We have to be willing to be used. I tell couples, hey, tell your groomsmen to work. Give them jobs. Help them pick up and clean up and maybe iron your shirt. I don't know, but put them to work. These bridesmaids were being put to work. It's the same with us in our journeys with Jesus. Are we willing to be used? And you may be saying, look, I, I, I am willing, but I don't think I am able. The good news is that Paul makes it super clear in 1 Corinthians 1 that he uses all people despite of our stuff. What do we say? That we are a group of imperfect people who are on a journey to pursue the only perfect Savior, and that is Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 1, 26, 29, Paul says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Thanks, Paul. Not many were influential. Gee, great, thanks. Not many were of noble birth. I mean, he's sticking the dagger. You are common. You are average. You are ordinary, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before 
him. God uses the ordinary for the extraordinary. God uses imperfect people for his perfect purposes. If you are willing, watch God use you in amazing ways. Again, the question, are you willing? In Colossians chapter 3, Paul again says, whatever you do or say then, if you are willing, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. A question uh, with each point. Here is my first question. Am I living for my glory or for God's glory? Am I living to uh, really try to convince people that I'm, I'm not an ordinary $20 uh, thing that I bought on Amazon? I'm expensive, and I am smart, and I am capable. That's what we tend to do with our resumes. That's why we go to college to make sure that we succeed in this life. The kingdom of God is inside out and upside down. Let's be willing to be used by God and do things for his glory instead of mine. So once we're willing to be a vessel for him, the second is we need to be filled. I'm running low here, so I just need to fill it up a little bit. Oh. That is getting hotter. I think we'll be okay. We'll see how this goes and how this ends out. Be filled with the Spirit. Uh, many of us love uh, energy. Maybe we're engineers, electrical engineers, and, and we know that there needs to be a, a robust source of energy in order to actually give out energy. What happened to us in the Amazon was what? The output overwhelmed the input. Too much going out, not enough energy going in, therefore, blackout. Here's what happened, though. In my moment of disappointment, thankfully, our worship leader named Chris Kipp, many of you guys remember him. He was my college pastor, was also our worship pastor. Then Ben was our worship pastor. Now Joel is our worship pastor. Chris Kipp unplugged his guitar. He didn't even flinch. He stepped out in front, and he started playing that acoustic guitar, and the voices roared. The voices were loud despite a void in power from the instruments. And I'll never forget being in that pitch dark room and feeling the electricity that came from within. See, sometimes we look for our source in external things. We're filled with the things of the world. But when we are filled by God's spirit, which in this case is oil, in the case of the bridesmaid, was the oil that filled their lamps, then we can shine bright. I want to take a pause, two-minute video about the significance of oil. Let's check this out. There's a ritual in the Bible involving fragrant plants and spices that make a rich oil to pour on special objects or people. This is called anointing oil. And its meaning is rooted in the story of the Garden of Eden, where God provided water for the dry land and formed the human, filling him with his spirit. This is the first anointing. The oil is a liquid symbol. It's the water of life and God's spirit combined together, used to mark a person or a place as a bridge between heaven and earth. During his wilderness exile, Jacob had a dream. He sees a stairway leading up to heaven. When he wakes, 
he anoints the stone on which he slept and called the place House of God, a place where heaven and earth are one. The Israelites built the tabernacle in the wilderness. When it was completed, they anointed the tent with oil, marking it as a place where God's heavenly presence has come down to earth. Israel's priests and their kings were anointed with oil to set them apart as leaders, to mediate God's heavenly wisdom to the world. But they rejected God's wisdom. They led with violence leading to ruin and exile. Their failure created hope for the ultimate anointed one. One anointed not merely with oil, but with water and spirit. Not merely a bridge to heaven, but heaven itself come to earth. This is Jesus Christ. More than a name, Christ is a title. It means anointed one. The new human, the ultimate priest, the cosmic king. God's heavenly life coming into our world in a new way. A surprising way. And after Jesus rose from the dead, he spread his anointing out into the world through his followers. Christians, from the word Christ, anointed ones who follow the anointed one. People marked by God's spirit so that more and more of earth can be filled with the life of heaven. Anointed ones. Christ is a title, not Jesus's last name. He was the anointed one. If we are followers of Jesus, we too have been anointed, have been chosen to preach by word and deed this good news that we have received. And again, we may be needing an energy source. The energy that we receive comes from above. We're going to close in just a few minutes with some Worship, And I hope that we would take a moment and just receive from the Lord because this oil represents God's Holy Spirit. And maybe you have yet to call Jesus your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're at your wit's end and you are wondering, where do I go from here this morning? I want to let you know that there is hope. His name is Jesus. Surrender your life to him and watch how he fills you up. This life is not easy, but when we have Jesus in our life, we have the peace and comfort that we need to walk through this place. We're going to celebrate baptism again after this gathering. And if God is putting it on your heart, come find me after the gathering so that we can celebrate your baptism today. If not today, let's continue to celebrate those soon. In uh, Acts chapter 2, this is where we get baptism. Acts chapter 2, Jesus has ascended. The Holy Spirit has descended. Literally, they were anointed. And uh, Peter preached. And it says, now when they heard the gospel, these were the hearers of Peter's sermon, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive 
the gift of the Holy Spirit. How do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? We say yes to Jesus. We say yes to him. When we say yes to him, we get all of him. And this life is a process of him getting all of us. The more we surrender, the more that we live in the Light. A quick story before we move in. That's our third point. Uh, live in the light. Martin Luther, the great reformer, uh, had this Latin inscribed on his desk. It is baptizatus sum, which literally means I am baptized. And there's a quote ascribed to him where he wrote, the only way to drive away the devil is through faith in Christ by saying, I have been Baptized, I am a Christian. See, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus, when he says, hey, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What did Jesus reply? He says, you have to be born again. You have to be born again of water and of spirit. This rebirth happens when we confess with our mouth and believe with our hearts that Jesus is Lord and was raised again from the dead. And then we display that by celebrating baptism. And so again, I don't know where you are, but that may be your next step. And then in Ephesians 5, I'm going to jump ahead to verse 18. Thank you, life team, for sticking with me this morning. I've been all over the place. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. What do we do? What does that look like? Well, we sing psalms and uh, hymns and spiritual songs among yourself and making music to the Lord in our hearts. Again, in just a minute, we'll close with singing another song so that we can be refilled and refilled. We get the Holy Spirit, but it's a great reminder of who we are when we come together once a week and sing these songs to God. And so wherever we are, let's be filled. Question for us is, what am I filling my life with? Because in Galatians 5, we see a dichotomy between living by the flesh and living with the Spirit. Uh, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, if you are a Christian, an anointed one, uh, uh, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Let's go to the next slide with the list because I list both out. The works of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, and wild parties. This is the work of the flesh, but then he follows up by the second list. This is a spirit-filled life, the fruit of a spirit-filled life, which is love, joy, peace, patience, or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self Control. Would you say that your life is being filled with more of that or more of this? That will be an indicator of how bright your light is shining. So the last point and verses from this morning is how do we stay the light of the world? Well, we got to be willing vessels. We got to be filled with the spirit and we got to live in the light. Or as the young people say, or maybe not say anymore, you stay what? Lit. Uh, That doesn't always have the most positive connotation. 
all right, but we're redeeming it for the name of Jesus, and uh, we're going to stay on fire. We are going to stay lit. In fact, we're going to do more of that. Uh, First Timothy says, fan the flame. Fan the flame of the Lord. Second Timothy, I'm sorry. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. This is not about putting a cover over here or it's not like a dark sky compliant lights that we have to put up here in Wimberley to be dark sky compliant. You know what I'm talking about? Where there's a hood over it so the only thing that you see is what's right underneath you. Nope, we're talking about the other way. Let our shine, let our light shine upwards so that all could see. It does not make us timid, but it gives us power love, and self-discipline. Living in the light means not preaching uh, of ourselves. 2 Corinthians 4, these are my last verses, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Are we willing vessels in like this jar of clay to show that this all surpassing power, what's the power? It's God's Holy Spirit that fills us, is from God and not from us. And then verse eight, this is life, ain't it? We are hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. We live in the light by staying in the light. When it comes to the battle between light and darkness, light is undefeated. And we live in the light as we are honest, as we confess both our need and our sin unto God. Here's my last question for us. Am I honest in all my acts and my words? Uh, Am I real as to how I'm really doing? Am I real as to what is really fueling this season of my life. We have a saying nowadays, it's to be honest. And some of us start a lot of our, well, to be honest, here's why I really don't like that phrase. It's because we should always be honest. <laughs> we shouldn't disclaim, have a disclaimer. Well, to be honest, I'm gonna be honest with you this one time. Let's be people that shine brightly all the time. Let's be people that are honest about times where we are perplexed, where we are in need of someone else to come. Because you see, Jesus was brutally honest in the Garden of Gethsemane. Did you know that Gethsemane is, uh, uh, the definition is the place of the olives. It was literally an olive grove. Jesus was at the center of the, the source of energy for light, when he was honest, when he was distressed and anguished, knowing what stood in front of him. And uh, he was honest before the Lord. He was honest before his father. And he said, not my will be done, 
Not my will be done, God. If it is your will be done, then I want you to take this cup of suffering from me. He did not want to die on the cross because he knew how excruciating that would be. But thank God, he surrendered to God's will. He chose to glorify God by submitting to death, death on a cross for each one of us. And, and, and the, the irony is that as God poured out his life, as his blood poured out on the cross, death and darkness were defeated once and for all. And anyone who comes to saving faith in him will now be able to have light and life to the full. If you're able to stand and pray with me as we close, Lord, we want to be the light. Lord, we want to have the energy to stay lit, to, to be on fire for you. We want to be bold, God. We want to show others how awesome and how wonderful and how real you are. And this morning, God, we just take a moment to say thank you for your death. Thank you for going to the cross and dying to death that we deserve so that we could have the forgiveness of our sins and the promise of everlasting life. And if there's anyone in this room that is ready to say yes to Jesus this morning, he is looking at your heart and he wants you to confess with your mouth by repeating words that go something like this. Jesus, I surrender to you and I give you my life because you have given me yours. I accept you as my Lord and Savior this morning. And I thank you for forgiving me of my sins and promising me everlasting life. I commit to being the light of the world for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. For the rest of us, God, maybe it means coming up front here at the altar as we close in worship. Maybe it means coming to the front and receiving prayer. Maybe it means getting baptized this morning, whatever. May we respond to you, Jesus, so that we can get filled up by your spirit as we go from this place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Messages podcast. You can dive deeper into the messages weekly by subscribing to the Conversations podcast, where we dig into the previous Sunday's message, unpacking how we can apply it further in our daily lives. See you again next week.